Okay, people, it is part two of this week's Echo Chamber, and we have got a new indie psychological thriller, horror, craziness. Um, it's great, right? And then speak with the director, the writer, the genius behind it all. So, people, if you're ready, let's get into the show. Okay, people, so let's get it started with When I Can Okay, people, so checked out a new indie, oh, it's like a psychological drama, right? Horror-esque, um, it's called When When I Consume You, you know? Um, it is the third film from director Perry Blackshear who also wrote the piece, okay? He produced it as well, along with McLeod Andrews, Evan Dumuco, Libby Ewing, and Lizzie Goodman is an associate producer on it. Mitch Bain handles the music. Um, Blackshear also does the cinematography. Visual effects are from Shane Winter. Stunts are um, Nate DeLong, Mitchell McCoy, and Kerry Wong. Editorial department is Orben David and Kevin Tran. And Bennett Janishk also um, handles some of the music. Our cast... Well, we've got the Shaw siblings. There is Daphne, played by Libby Ewing, and Wilson, played by Evan Dumuco. There is David Castile, played by McLeod Andrews. There's Annette, played by Margaret Ian Drake. Danny, played by Claire Sibius. There's Jim Calvinio, plays by Mitch. Mick Casol. There's the physician's assistant, played by Adam Stovall. Uh, psychologist, played by Kira Jones. We've also got Laura, played by Angela Bature. Uh, there's Wolfpack Knuckles, played by Robert Cuniff. Wolfpack Donnie, played by Maurizio Faringo. Um, there's V, played by Chelsea Ingram. Uh, Diane, played by Justin Skye. There's Alec, played by Mark Jude Sullivan. Big Ben, played by Jeremy Storm. Bruno, played by David Stevens. Bennett, played by Jeff Mazzilio. Moore, played by Josh Moore. James, played by Ross McKinnon. And, um, yeah, that's it. 
All right, that's it. So the gist of the flick is this. A woman and her brother seek revenge against a mysterious stalker. All right, so seems like a very simple thing. This is not a very simple movie, right? It opens up and we've got this woman in a bathroom and just... There's a lot happening. It looks like she's fighting someone, right? There's a struggle, but it's hard to really tell. Um, next, we, we see a kind of coughing up blood into the sink, right? She's talking to someone, saying she'll be right out, and then she gets into the shower, and you're just like, yo, what the fuck is happening here, Right? I think one of the things that you kind of wonder about the film, um, if it's like drug addiction, someone fighting the demons, you know what I mean? Like psychosis, just all of this kind of stuff, right? So we have this, then we see her with her brother, right? Um, we find out some things, you know, she wants to adopt, there's trouble, right? We're getting these flashbacks, like these time shifts. And so you're, you're trying to think what is happening? Where is this going? And then everything gets turned on its head, literally. Like, I don't think you, you can, you know, guess where this film goes. Right, that was the crazy thing. When, when, uh, yeah, this event happens, kind of catches you off guard because you're not expecting it, right? You would not, especially with the way it gets built up, right? You're not expecting this thing to happen, which is kind of great, you know, because now it's just like I have no clue where this is going. I have no clue what's going to happen. If this thing happened, what 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 else could be there? You know what I mean? That that was the big thing here. You know what I mean? That thing everyone loved about Game of Thrones at the start, right? Anyone could die. Anything could happen. And you get that sense here. Like, what is going on? So yeah, just all, <laughs> all this manner of craziness is going down. And we see events unfold, but again, there are these jump back in times, right? We're getting glimpses of things that have led up to this moment, right? And some of it adds a little clarity. Some of it, it adds even more intrigue. So you're watching, trying to fathom, right? Where is this going, right? Is these hallucinations, is this real? You know, all of this, you know, you're pondering, right? And I think... <laughs> I think, right, you hate the brother. Like, ah, the brother, man. It, it's just... Or it, it kind of... It feels like there's a lot of inaction right? Or, you know, when people say, I'm going to do this, but then they don't, like, they don't really, 
or they kind of approach it in a way where like you kind of feel nothing's going to get done actually you know so it's so because you get that but with all of this the performances right the performances from you know Libby and Evan I think they really anchor this film right because you are watching it and you you can't doubt what's being said right you can't doubt the emotions right because you feel this struggle you feel this love right you feel this inability to survive this inability to be effective right there's a steel, right? There's a steel in Daphne. And sometimes you see it in Will. Sometimes you're just like, ah, you're a wet paper bag. But all of this is so powerful on the screen, right? It's pretty fucking phenomenal, right? These performances are just something else. Like, you just think, how the fuck do you get yourself there right how can you put over this sort of performance because it's so raw right i think these two must be like having to speak to a therapist right now because yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy and then like mcleod andrews this character (laughs) jesus christ it's all over the place all over the place, which then you kind of feel, yo, that's even tougher to play because it's like one minute you're this, the next minute you're something else. It's it's like just jumping around, you know? So we get these really strong performances. The supporting cast as well. Supporting cast as well. Everyone really holds it down. So we get this crazy, fascinating story, you know, which is kind of walking in the shadows, people. You know what I mean? This feels like it's the cracks between reality, right? What we are seeing. This isn't, you know, the real world, right? This is, you know, the shadows, the mirror. You know what I mean? And it's so compelling. But I think it, it kind of speaks to that struggle, which a lot, you know, a lot of people face, right? It, it's whether you can pick yourself up and fight, right? Do you do that day after day after day? Do you let yourself be consumed by it all? right? What's that choice? And that's what this film kind of gives you, right? Do you let yourself fall into addiction? Do you make these half promises that you kind of feel, okay, if I, if I, I, I can't do it, fine. I, at least I said, you know what I mean? It's all of that. It's all of that and so much more, you know? I think 
Perry gives us these shots, right? That the, these close-ups that really bring you into the intimacy of these scenes. You know, and the way like certain things are filled, like the conversation under the bed, just things like that. It's uh, it becomes really personal, and I think that's the real strength of when I consume you. That it's this haunting kind of psychological horror tinged mystery, but it's also this personal journey. Right, journey of discovery, journey of strength. Right, it's just all of these things, you know, wrapped up into uh, roughly about a 90 minute kind of piece. And you don't feel shortchanged at the end of it. Right, there's definitely things that you're wondering about, but yeah, you're like, whew, you know what I mean? You definitely feel like you've been through something once this is all said and done. So I will say, people, look, if you enjoy a good horror fic, right? I think at last year's, I think it was Final Girls, right? We had a feel, I think it was like, um, I'm Not Your Mother, something like that, right? I think if you enjoyed that, you'll definitely enjoy this. You know, there was that other crazy one. I think it's like we're all going to the, is it the, the county fair or something, right? Crazy, weird. If you enjoyed that, you will enjoy when I consume you. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's weird, but it is very powerful, right? Very thought-provoking people. <laughs> I would say, look, Hey, if, you know, psychological horror is your thing, you will like when I consume you, for sure. And very impressive for the third feature. Man, I want to see more of what, um, you know, Perry does. Though, whew, it's got to be a daytime watch. <laughs> but yeah, it's out on all your favourite VODs, people. So give it a... And now, people, now we sit down with the genius. We sit down with Perry Blackshear, the writer and director. Okay, people, so I have with me today Perry Blackshear. Is it Perry Blackshear? Yes. Hello. Ah, splendid. Boom. Finally pronounced something correctly, people. And um, yeah, Perry is the writer and director of Can I Consume You? Sorry, When I Consume You, um, which is, yo, Perry, man. Like, I did not expect what I watched in this film. It was... It was really interesting and just compelling. And there's so many things I need to ask you about this because the performances you were able to get out of, you know what I mean, your, your cast was just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Oh, thanks, and the story goes and plays. I wasn't expecting 
that first little thing to take place, that boom took me like, oh wait, what's happening now? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, how the hell did this come about, right? Where did, because people say, write what you know. Now, if you know this, I'm like, yo, what, what's your life like, man? No, I, I'm very, I mean, no, my life is not as dark as these characters' uh, lives, <laughs> thankfully. Um, I think it started, uh, you know, I do, I, I was learning about at one point that uh, loneliness files, fires the same like pain receptors is physical pain. So, and that felt very real to my experience, like during like dark times, really hard times, it, you feel kind of bludgeoned. So I think it began wanting to make a movie about loneliness that felt very physical. Um, and then from there, I think it, it sort of, I always, I love this idea of the brother sister duo and the really being true to these characters and, um, telling their story, which is, you know, I, I've had people that I really love in my life that have been through some pretty hard things. Uh, maybe it's hitting your late thirties, but you know, you know, these people your whole life. And then only now, sometimes I feel like these incredible stories are coming out and you're like, I did not know that you went through all that. Mm. Like, and, and so I think, you know, just telling a true story, being true to these two characters um, and telling a story about like, growing up again yes. like you grow up one way and you can't help how you grow up because like you know you have your parents and your whatever but then like when you're older sometimes you go through like a second growing up that you kind of decide to be a certain way but it's so hard because <laughs> you're like built one way and you try to change so it's you know about like you know when the world is monstrous do you become a monster in response and what happens if you try to do that? Do you lose your soul along the way? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's like, it just feels like this is, you know, touching upon so many different kind of things. Right. And I think the film coming out now, like, I, I feel that a load of people can resonate with it. Right. Because the way the pandemic hit so many people, and I think hit them in ways they would never have expected. And so I think it gives people a different perspective on this. Like, if people had watched this film in good times, you know what I mean? Never gone through stuff. Like, some some people might think, oh, man, why would no one would do that? And <laughs> like, how could someone let everything get on top of them? Like, you know what I mean? But I think yeah. once you've experienced stuff, or maybe seeing someone go through stuff, it it kind of just knocks the, the cobwebs from the eyes and you see the world in a completely different light. So I think this is a great time for this, you know what I mean, to, to drop and for people to be able to connect with it, you know? Yeah, well, thanks. It's, um, you know, I keep talking like I'm an expert on all this stuff. I, I, I think it was mostly, I, I told someone that it's like, it's like trying to transcribe nightmares that I've had and like make a movie out of them. So, you know, it, it's sometimes it's not intellectual and more just like, you know, kind of just coming from your id or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I agree. And I think that uh, it's, it's possible that at least what I went through and a lot of my loved ones went through during the pandemic, you know, a lot of this loneliness and sort of feeling helpless was always there 
but like you saw your buddies sometimes and you know yeah. and you kind of there was some escapes to it you know and now you're just like when everything locked down and and everything it like it all the stuff that was there kind of came out more like you couldn't hide from it as much maybe maybe something like that oh no for sure and like because you think about the things that you place in your life to mitigate other things right so you might like think i live alone ah i hate spending a load of time all right i'm gonna join a local gym okay mm -hmm. i'm gonna join a film club i'm gonna join a book group i'm gonna you know a knitting circle i'm just <laughs> there's all these things that you'll put there so you don't actually have to spend too much time on your own you work late in the office yeah right you take extra shifts there's all these things that you might do you yeah. know people in like you see people in bad relationships and it's just like oh i'll stay out for another drink and you're like oh don't you need to get home and see her oh no it should be fine i'll be yeah i'll do one more it's like, yeah oh i'll come to that gig with you and you're like are you sure yeah and you're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah things that we put there so you don't have to experience something or face things mm -hmm. you know once all those things have been removed you have to take a look and kind of evaluate who am i where do i want to be right how do yeah. i cope with this yeah yeah i think it's it's funny because the movie feels like it was made for the pandemic but it was made before the pandemic <laughs> we shot it before the pandemic we it was edited during the pandemic though so Maybe some of that came out in the, the sound design and editing and things like that. But definitely it's like when all the distractions go away, um, I met I, I, a lot of my friends got together during the pandemic and like got married, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, or or broke up. Like, yeah. you know, it was sort of one thing or the other. I don't know if that happened to you or people that you knew, but it was like. You know, it was either forever or it was done because this is a lot. Like, this is very intense being in the same house like this with someone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, man. Like, yeah, the, the amount of, yeah, people that, yeah, just connected because it was just like, oh, we realized that we don't want to be alone and we need this support system. Mm -hmm. We're cool. Like, we've been friends for ages. So why don't we do something? Or it's just like, I hate the way you click your fucking fingers. I cannot <laughs> one more time. Yeah. Like yeah. we've had enough. It's done. Yeah. It's yeah. Of, yeah, it's kind of crazy when you when you see all of these things. But I think even though you know you, you created this before the pandemic, right? I think there's just these universal truths, right? There's these this kind of infrastructure to reality and society that we don't always want to take a look at but there's certain things that make you take that hard look mm -hmm. and like a film like this helps hold up that mirror sometimes to people and be like i understand that situation you know and when you couch it in this different way of possession and all these other things it's a little bit more palpable right to people yeah you don't actually want to see like an actual couple imploding because it feels just it's still a little itchy it's just like oh <laughs> home man oh yeah sad. but watching yeah. it 
this, you can be like, oh, I relate to that. But no, that's nothing. You know, obviously, I'm not possessed. So no, that's not. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's like, oh, sorry, man. Oh, no. It it reminds me, someone was saying um, about writing that they were like, you know how you look at medical diagrams of the human body and it's like really bright colors and it's like unrealistic, but it helps you understand what's going on. Mm. It's like movies are like, or like when you use genre stuff, it like makes it less realistic, but like you can see it better somehow. Like it makes more sense because you've exaggerated some parts and you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Now, one thing I really enjoyed was the camera work on this. Now, like, because this is your third feature. You've done some shorts, but this is your third feature pairing, right? Like, where does this relationship with the camera come from and understanding these angles and perspectives and the things that can really make a story pop that little bit more? Yeah, well, glad you mentioned that. So it's, um, I mean, it was a real challenge. We, the way we shoot these films, it's exciting to get to, you know, uh, prepare for some larger features now, but these films we shoot sort of like a documentary. So it's just the actors and I out on the streets and I have to pull my own focus, which is a disaster a lot of the time. Um, But we, thinking about it like a documentary, um, you know, we didn't, we, we do it for very little money and we have to do it pretty fast. And I always love really focusing on the performance above everything. So the camera mostly sort of is in service of the performance and the, and the actors. Um, and to help that, I just went and I searched everywhere in my neighborhood for cool looking places. Um, some of which don't exist anymore because they've been built up actually. Some of the places like you see don't exist because of the pandemic, but um, mm. the spe- specifically the camera work and the framing and the way it's shot. I think what I, I love camera work and sound work that makes us, puts us in a different uh, mind state, like feeling like we're experiencing reality from someone else's eyes through someone else's eyes. Mm. So Requiem for a Dream had a huge impact on me when it came out because I'd, I was, I was in my, I was a young teenager and I had never done hard drugs like that. Um, but I had gotten really, really sick, like throwing up all night for many, many days. And I just remember this feeling of like, nothing is real. It's all, a, you know what I mean? And yeah. watching that movie gave me the same feeling of that. Yeah. And so I, I think I just tried to replicate the experience of, these people that, you know, Wilson is kind of upset, is, is obsessive and has like a lot of anxiety. Um, and so to try to make it feel like what he feels like and using the camera to do that. And sometimes using the camera for Daphne to make it feels like what, what she feels like as well. Um, I love stuff like that. And uh, it was a challenge, but I think it, um, it was exciting to, it was, yeah, we had sort of set out with that, that goal in mind. Mm, no, I, I you, you really did a great job of just giving this human element of the piece, right? The, giving that connective tissue. So it's even though, you know what I mean? There's some crazy shit that you'd be like, yo, no, <laughs> no one's gone through that. But 
you can kind of get into the mindset of these characters because of the way you shot it. Like, you did, because the thing I hate, I hate when people use music to kind of make you go, okay, now you feel happy. Now Mm -hmm. this is a sad scene. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, look, you should get those emotions just from what you're seeing or hearing. You shouldn't need music to tell you this. You should be able to see it. Now, you can have music, but it, it should be an accompaniment. It shouldn't be a bludgeon. And so your scenes give you these emotions just through what you're seeing and hearing. And it, it, it's so powerful, man. Like, it's so... Man, yeah, this film, I, I honestly had no clue what the hell I was coming into. And what I got was just... Ah, uh, it was something else. Like, I Thanks, hate man. Wilson pissed me off. I ain't going to say, Wilson pissed me the fuck off, man. <laughs> but, but, I, but I then still understood where he was coming from. Yeah. Because you know, I think it's just like, the thing with Wilson is, you have this person that was kind of coddled in a way, like protected yeah. from everything. Yeah. And so he's just a little weak, right? He's a little bit just too... And you're just yeah. like, Jesus Christ, son, you, you do something to help. Yeah. And, and then you also get that whole when you know when people are like, I'm gonna make a change, but then yeah. you really put the effort in to make the change. Yeah. And so, like you 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 see that, but you're just like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. And I think yeah. that's what you get with Wilson, you get that frustration because you'd be like, I would never want to be that. I hope yeah. I be that. Yeah. But you have the empathy because you understand what made him that way, what got him there and how he's trying to change it. But yeah. it's like, ah. But to get the, like, you know what I mean? Because you can watch something and you can be like, oh, that character's stupid. Yeah. But to actually have these things resonate and you get so frustrated and you're like, hold on. It's a film. Why am I so frustrated at this character? You know, yes. This isn't someone I know. You know so that's just like, yeah, it, it, it really brought out these emotions, man. Yeah, well, thanks. I, I, I admit that I felt the same way about Wilson a little bit, uh, <laughs> only in that I think that, and I don't know if this is a, well, a, a male thing or not, but I think that there was a time in my life when I was in my 20s where, you know, I was a filmmaker, artist kind of guy, and I, you know, cared about people and was kind of nice and stuff, and then was confronted with situations where nice didn't work, or, you know, being, like, friendly and kind of, and so I had to, I sort of went through a phase where it's like, all right, well, time to fucking hit back now, you know what I mean? And I, I got into it. You know, I was like, okay, this is how it works. You know, if some, you know, you just have to be an asshole, basically. And like, <laughs> my friends at the time were like, okay, so I'm glad that you're working on stuff and changing a little bit, but like, this sucks. You suck now. <laughs> and so, you know, I think I went through like a light version of this, where like you you want to become different, but maybe you go too far, or maybe you lose yourself along the way somewhere where like, you, you know, you, you want to become different than how you are without like a, the, the being soft enough to be able to love and have empathy, but hard enough to fight 
and stand up for yourself and like where that line is. Um, it could be a male thing. It could be a me thing. I don't know. But that, that, that journey of like figuring out what to do, um, how to be an adult kind of, and being able to hold those two things together is a part of what the film's about. Yeah. And definitely Wilson, poor guy. You just want to kind of shake him and be like, come on, <laughs> come on, get it together. But then when he does, you're like, not like that, <laughs> not yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, it's crazy because it's just like, then he stops listening yeah. and he's getting given information and it's just like, no. And, and then it all goes, you know what I mean? Yep. In a certain way. And you're just like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yep. Know exactly what you mean. Now, do you storyboard? Because it's just like, I get, you know, checking out the cool areas and all of this kind of thing. But still, mm -hmm. like, just creating these shots, these sequences, it's just like, are you just figure like, how do you kind of figure that's the one that's going to work? Mm -hmm. like, you, you look at these scenes and you think, oh, there's different ways you could tell this. Mm -hmm. but, way you chose to tell it be like oh this works so well but it's just like how do you kind of get to that do you shoot it in multiple ways and then work out which is the one do you screen mm -hmm. you know what i mean draw it all out like what's the what's the process Kurt? so i i used to storyboard but i found for myself that it ended up feeling like a comic strip or something like a little bit boxed where it was from almost more like the camera was leading the movie and the and the camera was making the actors do things mm -hmm. um but i know a lot of people that storyboard and it works awesome so something about the way my brain works didn't do it as well so what i do is i i shot list um so i have a good idea of you know i spend some time building the scene as a shot but it's a little vaguer like oh a close-up and a close-up or you know like a point of view shot and a you know close up of hands or activities, mm. um, and then I have a pretty good sense of how I want them to go. But uh, I also used to work as an editor, so it does feel it feels good to have a little bit of freedom in the edit because um, your best laid plan sometimes a shot you spend a, you know days thinking about and preparing ends up falling flat, and sometimes. Uh, one of my old colleagues at NYU, Christina Nigalova, in our grad school, um, was like an old school Bulgarian cinematographer. Uh, and she, you know, the director would go be doing something and she would grab the camera and go shoot anything like the wind in the trees or, you know, just like something else. She was just always like hunting for cool things. And so I usually try to live, give enough time and space to hunt for things or discover things as we're shooting uh, okay okay now i think one interesting thing you said there you, like you used to be an editor mm -hmm. right i've spoken to a few editors that then kind of move on to direction mm -hmm. and i feel that it does give a different perspective like this different understanding to the flow of a piece right because i feel that you've worked in that different process, having to kind of make things work and cut them together and change things around. So mm -hmm. do you think that's a kind of 
it's, it's, it's given you that extra tool, knowing that and understanding that process. Yeah, I think I, I joked that the, I learned more about screenwriting in editing my first feature than in any anything else because you you shoot it and then you're like, oh, we don't need that scene or we don't need that dialogue or you know something like that. So I think it it also is helpful as a producer because you're like, okay, I only have this, but I can cut around this and make it work. You know, so there's a lot of practical. It's very helpful practically, especially with things like fight scenes. Um, to more technical scenes. Um, sometimes I think I <laughs> I use it as a crutch because I'm like, oh, I'll just edit my way out of that. <laughs> and so right. I spend 10 hours doing something in edit that I could have spent 30 minutes doing when I was shooting. So, you know, you, you, know, you keep learning with all this stuff. And I think that... Uh, um, you know, the next we're, we're thinking about doing a fourth one and I'm building in some like one scenes with no editing just to see right. what it'll be like. Just, just experiment with different ways of doing something. So, you know, with, with each of these, you're testing a bunch of things out and learning as you go. Mm -hmm. Like, do you like to experiment when you make something, you know, what I mean, try something new, like an idea that you saw somewhere else or just like maybe this might work? Yeah, definitely. The the scene that you're and you usually get some wins and some, you know, some things you would do differently next time. Um, the scene you're referring that happens about 20 minutes into the movie, that was very pre-planned. When I wrote the screenplay, I imagined it exactly like that. And that was based off like trying to replicate. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but when I've been in car crashes or things that were like very intense the world gets very weird. Like it becomes kind of flat looking and sort of unreal and hyper real. And it doesn't feel like you're you living it kind of like you just, you know, and I don't, I'm not smart enough to know if that's association or whatever, but I tried to like make it feel like that. And that was, I wrote it like that and tried to try to replicate that. So I, that, that I think um, I was really happy with that one. Uh, and then there's other things well, I don't know how much I should talk about all the things I wish I could do differently. But um, another one was the fight scenes. I'd never really done fight scenes like that. Um, and I thought that would be exciting to experiment with that. And we worked with a guy who actually, this is sort of a funny story, the, the guy that helped us out initially when we were building the fights. We had a, we had a, a guy train the two actors in LA um, on the fights. Uh, and then we also had someone on set. Okay. But, but when we were figuring out what would happen, I worked with one of the friends of one of the actors who is an MMA fighter and a, like a like a national Muay, Muay Thai guy. Right, right. And so there's video of us practicing and he's like 6'2 and has like 60 pounds on me. <laughs> and he's also never done stunts before. He's only actually hurt people. So like right. when I was practicing with him, like the videos of us, I'm like, like don't, you know, in retrospect, it was not a good idea. He could have broken my neck probably. Um, so, you know, that stuff. And also I, the A7 um, is a remarkable camera by Sony. It's a pretty cheap camera. It was a, it's a pretty, for film, it's more like a prosumer camera, but it's light, it's ability to capture light is so remarkable. And I just always thought 
I want to shoot a movie at night in New York using this remarkable camera that can make the nighttime look so bright and beautiful. Um, so yeah, you, you, you experiment with things and then you, you know, you win some, you lose some and you take the, you try to learn from your mistakes and get excited about the next one. Uh, okay. No, that, that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. Because, I mean, having these sort of conversations, right, no one does things exactly the same. So it's always intriguing to find out, like, how do you get that shot? Like, what's the perspective on this? Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. intriguing. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Now, one thing is, like, because the stars of the film, they're also producing the film with you. How, like, why and how does that work? <laughs> well, partly because it's awesome. In the sense that, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a band. I was in a few bands. And it's just so great. I mean, you get there, you're all playing music together. It's this collective experience. You get to work with these people you love. And you're all making it together. And it feels like nothing else on earth. Because um, they're my really good friends. And, and Libby became such an amazing colleague. So you have, you know, you finish shooting. But then you get to, like, finish the day by having all these creative discussions. And... You know, and then you it just it's, it's an amazing thing. and I recommend it. Uh, it's also so difficult because, you know, everybody has really close relationships. So um, and it's just you all. So it's sort of like hiking out into the wilderness. So if something breaks, you don't have a, anybody to deal with it except except you. So you have to kind of deal with it. Um, so one night we were supposed to shoot this big scene outside and then it was pouring with rain. It was like 33 degrees. And so we were like, what do we do? And we looked around and we were just like, well, I guess we need to figure this out because there's no one else that's going to figure this out. And we can't like build a set to, you know, so I just scouted and I found a bridge and we shot under the bridge. Um, so it's a lot of problem solving. I think sometimes it is difficult to take. We used to have hats actually. We had a producer hat that we literally took off so that we could immerse ourselves in the movie. Right, right. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be said about having separation where you have a separate editor or a separate, you know, I, I love shooting my own work, but it's also a huge challenge. Mm. Um, so I think there's good and bad things about it. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, having being in a band and you producing your own record as well. Like you can, it's so intimate and you can do so much. Um, but also, you know, you miss out on the expertise of someone whose only job that is. So um, it's a really cool way to work. I was inspired by also another NYU colleague, uh, old buddy Chloe Chow, uh, did her first feature with a crew of five. And that intimacy that you get from that, an ability to turn on a dime and focus really on what we care about, which is directing performance, uh, is wonderful. It also comes with a huge cost of, of it being really, uh, you know, everything you kind of have to figure it out yourself. Um, uh, you know, and we're getting better about bringing in other people when we need to like fight, like people helping us with the fight stuff and, and things like that. Uh, and it's, it's cool to meet other people too, as we like expand our team and, and branch out. Um, so it's not for everybody, but it, it is a cool way to work among many, many cool ways to work to make a movie. Mm. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense because I think 
the the thing that always is hard to fathom when it comes to producers and executive producers and things like that because there's people that actually contribute mm -hmm. and people where it's just an add-on for extra credits and things like that and it's like so sometimes when you see this huge list it's like how many people <laughs> actually got involved and what did they bring to it you know what I mean it's one of those odd things so it's it's always interesting to know when people are actually you know boots on the ground like actually you know what I mean getting their hands dirty and working this stuff out yeah and definitely just a shout out to the actors and producers um they're all great producers they sh would sh shoot a scene and then they'd go start making blood and preparing for the next scene or doing sound, you know, I mean, they were really, um, and they've gone on, I mean, Libby after this went and shot a web, directed a web series. And I think she's up, like after working with us, she's like, I can do this. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> she's like, um, so no, definitely. There's a lot of getting, you know, they really, they really get their hands dirty and we all make it together in that, in that way. Yeah. Nice. And how did like, you know, with the casting for this, mm -hmm. how was it to kind of find the you know people for these roles well the 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 lead evan dumichel i've worked with three times and he's an old buddy from college and we've been making films forever so i sort of wrote the character for him and then same with mcleod andrews uh we've worked in all of our films together and we had i've worked with margaret ying drake a bunch too and she's wonderful but it needed it called for a sister character and we needed and uh, margaret's uh half white and half Chinese, so it wouldn't have worked. So we were on the hunt for an um, actress and we mostly went through friends. First, we figured we would do that first, friends of friends and people that we knew that were actors. And Libby um, had worked with Evan a few times and I was just so blown away by her abilities and also just what she brought to the whole project. She was just so ready to make stuff. Um, and then she and Evan rehearsed uh, out in LA. And there was also a kind of, like the way we like to work is take the subject matter really seriously. But once it's done, like I think there's this myth that I was taught when I was younger that's like being a movie, to make art, it has to suck. Like, mm, yeah, you know, like making a movie, oh. you have to suffer for it to be good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to like, yeah. It was like when I was reading Nietzsche or whatever. I don't know. I was 19. Um, so I think that I, I don't feel like that anymore. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. But also I've met people like Mike Flanagan, who's sort of a mentor. And his sets are awesome. And like I was on a set with him, shadowing him. And like other random celebrities would just appear having flown down. I was like, I was in the area. I just, can I like be here? And like, can I be a part? And he's like, no, your management would never let me just like give you a role. And they're like, come on. And like, it's just a place you want to be. Mm. Um, that matters a lot to me. Cause you know, the world is, there's enough suffering out there and like life's hard enough for, for sets to be terrible places. So, um, you know, we work really hard, but then we also make sure to, you know, have it be a good time. And, and the, other part of that is that Libby was just so great. Like we, you know, the characters in the film really had a messed up childhood and we wanted to really do it right and not, there's a lot of bad versions of stories about this that are exploitative or like kind of 
you know, and so we, you know, we, we read all these books on trauma and, and like really did a lot of research on how the stuff that happens in childhood can manifest later physically and, and the things that people do and the ways people cope. And, you know, you take it really seriously, but then, um, and now Libby just feels like part of the family, basically. I mean, it feels like she's always been, you know, the, I don't know if you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but what season was that? Five, where it was like she had a sister the whole time. It was like retconned mm, magically. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah, now yeah. Libby is like retconned into all of our films. It's like, it feels like she's always been part of the team. She's fantastic. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, it, it's funny because, you know what I mean? I know what you mean when people would be like, oh, it's got to suck. It's got to, you got to feel it. And you, so many times you hear about those set. I think there was a tank film and I forget. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, it was, I think it was the dude that was in Honey Boy. I forget mm -hmm. the name, but it was just like he didn't wash and he was like shouting at people and he never, he never got out of character. And you'd be mm -hmm. like, I, I get that you want to try and you know and get what this is, but if you piss off the people you're working with, <laughs> make yeah. it hard to shoot a really great film because they're just yeah. gonna be so frustrated with you. And it's yep. always interesting when you see certain films, right? Like a lot of um, Adam Sandler films or Paul Figg and Josh Whedon and people like that. You see they're working with the same people over and over again. And you yeah. just get this sense that this must be such a great time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I loved yeah. P.T. Anderson when I was in college, too, for the same reason, where he sort of felt like he had a repertoire company a little bit. Mm. Um and my dream was Bergman, actually. He just, learning about him and how he just has his eight buddies come to like some summer house and make a movie every summer in Sweden. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Maybe 12 people. But like, you can tell that he's friends with, I saw some behind the scenes footage and they're just all, they just all drink afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, what a great, what a great situation. Um, and there's, I mean, look, larger professional sets, because I used to work at a, in a tech company and had to do commercials for Google and things like this. And I've been on bigger sets and there's a magic to that too. I mean, what an amazing, like, you know, being on an airplane, it's like, wow, this amazing, powerful machine. Um, and you can move mountains like that. I mean, it's really spectacular. So there's, you know, there's definitely so many place ways to, to do this, but I think the thinking that it has to suck, I'm sure some people can pull that off, but I guess that's just not for, for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, de definitely, definitely. So Libby and Evan rehearsed. Mm -hmm. Was that through direction from you? Like, how does that work? Do you give them, is it you give them the full script? Like, do you give them notes? Like, listen, in these scenes when they're doing this, I really am looking for these emotions to kind of mm -hmm. come through. Or, or this, can we, you know just imagine that you've gone through it. Like what's the kind of framework for this kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So for the way um, we work pretty conventionally in that way, it's sort of more like it's, it's a little bit like, you know, the actors, they get the full script and a little bit like a play, they, you know, go through the lines and they get sort of a basic comfort with the scene. And they'll usually um, because they're awesome will come up with, you know, the first pass at like the wants and the needs of the characters in the scene. Um, 
And then once they kind of get used to the dialogue, they don't have to be totally off book, but just so that they get kind of, you know, they get a sense for it. Yeah. Then, you know, we did, a, I talked with them about their characters a bunch. I gave them a few things to read. Uh, and we, some of, some of it was a conversation like, like Daphne's, um, Daphne's jacket, for example, I guess this isn't directing, but this is sort of character building. Um, we were like, what would Daphne wear and what would look cool? And that's actually a Norwegian um, uh, fighter jacket from World War II. Oh. Uh, and, you know, so things like this and like, where does that come from? And sort of building mm -hmm. character together a little bit based off the script. And then once we get a little closer, either online, I'll go, you know, they'll perform the scene and then I'll give them direction. Um, and it's more like making sure that the kind of simple through line is, is maintained. I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Um, uh, you know, making sure I, the characters know what they're trying to do in the scene. Yeah. So that yeah. they're not just saying, saying the lines like they're supposed to or hitting their marks, but, you know, so for example, if we're running a scene and, you know, Evan is like, you know, I'm just like sitting here, but like, I just want to leave. Like she's, you know, she's insulting me. I just want to leave the room. Why am I sitting here? Then we can like rewrite the scene or change some things, or we can give better direction to sort of figure it out. So the things don't feel stagey and, um, uh, but then they usually hold, well, it depends. Uh, and then once we get on set, it changes again, because you're in a real space and we figure out like, you know, the physical space of it all. So it doesn't feel like you're just performing a stage play in a black box, but that it's a real tangible world that you're, you're, you're dealing with. Um, so that's the basic process. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I really loved, there's a scene outside, right there. I think it's in a car park. Um, yeah. Lot, and like Daphne's just like, you're weak. You're pathetic. Always mm -hmm. looks up you, and then he's just like, "Fuck you!" She's yeah. like, "That's what I wanted," and yeah. you're just like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, like, <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Like, oh man, that yeah, I feel that. I feel that. That was just like such a great scene. Like, yeah. and, and that's the thing. It's just I kind of feel that this doesn't work if these actors don't nail everything you know what i mean because you have yep. to try this connection between this brother and sister this mm -hmm. love between this brother and sister but then the frustration and the fear and just all of it you have to buy it it's gonna be there yep and and then you know as wilson gets a little bit carried away from there like but you've gotta it's you've gotta buy it and yep. you really buy it they really just you know give you that and it's i think it's crazy especially um you know so, like when you look at like daphne and mm -hmm. um friggin dave like uh um ugh, uh i'm gone blank on the name david castillo um, oh yeah, yeah the, the, the detective yeah um yes it, it, it's just like there's the characters all over the place at first, you know, jumping around and being like, rah, rah, rah. and these kind of sharp twists, yeah. right? Pivots that have to happen at times. 
but yeah it's so on point right oh, and thanks, man. you but it's just like you're watching it's like how the fuck do you get someone to be able to do that right like what goes into it to to get that sort of performance are you doing mo- like how many cuts are you, are you like shots are you going through mm. First yeah cut, yeah second like is it like a full rehearsal all the way through like yeah let me know how you get these performances man yeah well the the first answer is casting (laughs) 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 only you know that's the that's the joke there's like a i was teaching some directing class at one point and i was like i should just scrap this whole thing and have it be one class which is cast (laughs) well and then you're good you know um uh but it but i think you know, that, that long scene with McLeod Andrews uh, on the bench, they did rehearse that like a play. So that was all, um, and we broke it up to sort of have different sections so that we didn't shoot the whole thing. But I think there are some takes that are shot the whole way through basically. Um, and you don't want to do that the whole film because it can just be so exhausting, but it's nice to have sections where when you open it up like that, things go sometimes slightly different directions than you expect and to let them. And then sometimes you get awesome, like uh, the, the earlier scene where McLeod uh, as David is confronting Evan on the street. Yeah. And you know, and Evan knocks him down. Then he's like, you know, being all crazy. Um, we used most, we used about, I did about four takes from one angle and two takes from another angle. And the two takes at the other angle were sort of backup. But the last take of the second angle was so good because McLeod knew that he was free, like he had already done it. So now mm. he could just, um, and, and um, Mike Flanagan does that too, where he like, he basically, he does however many takes he needs, which is usually about three. And then he tells the actors like, okay, I'm, I'm good. So do as many as you want now. <laughs> And the actors, because they're respectful, won't take 20 takes, but they'll yeah. they'll do a few where they get to really be present in the scene and focus, you know, and not and sort of just start, you know, do something for. And so it's like a it's like not improv, but it's um, getting what you need and then letting the actor have their take on it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes Sometimes things are batshit crazy and you can't use them just because of other situations, but you try to create um, like little arenas where they can mess around. So like, you know, you kind of get, give them the boundaries of it and then kind of let them see what they can do. And, and sometimes you get uh, really, really cool stuff that way. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Interesting. Now, with the music, because the score is great. The score really helps set that tone of the film, that kind of, you know, that darkness, but still that hope and, the, mm-hmm. you know, all of that kind of thing. So how does that happen? Like, how do you kind of work with the composer to create something like this? Or do you just leave it fully up to them to just kind of bring something to the table? Yeah, for for me, I try to get it so that the film is able to hold up without music first, because I've had experiences where the music is so good or like overwhelms the scene, you can't really tell what's going on. So 
Um, we did that and then we used temp. So just I'm, whenever I watch a movie and I love a, a piece, I'll be like, oh yeah. And then I try to remember it and look it up later. Um, so I have a kind of library of pieces that I move around and I knew that I wanted it to be a little bit orchestral, kind of like, because it feels to me sometimes like a, like a mini, this sounds so pretentious. How can I say this in a not pretentious way? Like, <laughs> like, a, um, like a kind of little mini myth or something. Like it's a, like, a, like a little tiny opera or something. Like this big uh, story of this young man and his sister falling from grace. And um, so we wanted there to be a little bit of orchestral stuff. The, the, two, the two guiding lights we had is I wanted it to feel to use, make the music for it to feel a little bigger than the world because the world is so claustrophobic and intimate. Um, and then also to use score to make us feel like what Wilson was feeling. So that kind of overwhelm and just like, like sort of sonic assault to kind of really keep you destabilized a little bit like him and not knowing what was coming or where it was coming from. Um, and then it's just a lot of experimentation. I remember, um, would they look like people? The first film, there's that opening scene where the, the young woman is in bed with no face. Her face is just in darkness. And I, I was working at a company at the time in an edit bay and I would work nights after I finished work, I would just stay editing. And I would, I worked on that scene and just played with all the different, like the ticking clocks come in or this coming out. And then I would share them with my coworkers. They'd be like, just come in what do you think of this and just play it? And they'd either be like, oh, or they'd be like, oh, I don't like what's going on. And so you just mess around and try your best to try to make things uh, work like that. Yeah, a lot of experimenting. Okay, interesting. And have you always done, like, do you kind of do this for all your films? Is this like the approach or do you, are you trying different kind of things to work, try and get those scores in those different places or, you know, to tell a different kind of story? Mm -hmm. I think I, the first film I, I set out as a goal with no music and that was like a challenge. Uh, the second film I loved, I fell in love with this choir called Kitka. There was this um, ensemble that sang folk music. And there was a story about a Rasalka in a lake and it was Slavic and they, it was perfect. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna base the whole movie around this score. Um, and for this third one, it was a little bit more piecemeal. I think, I think I'd sort of, for the next one, like to lean into music and I'd love to get a composer beforehand to like work even with the, the script stage and kind of get, cause I know, I know some people do that. Mm. Um, so it's sort of finding a good balance or finding what works. I also used to write a bunch of music, so, um, there's there's a dream of doing some sort of ghost musical at one point, uh, sort of <laughs> sort of in the works as well. Okay. That may be a that may be a that may be one. That's like the seventh movie, you know. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> ah, interesting, man. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, once you shot all those shots everything got done, you're in the editorial, like, what was the thinking, you know, as you're trying to put this together, did it kind of feel like 
did you get something at the end which was a little bit different to what you envisioned going in? I think, I don't think I realized how dark it felt <laughs> when we were writing the script. Um, I think part of it was that we were trying to be true to the experience of the characters and by like being inside their heads, it just got really dark. Um, I think it became more personal than we expected, not because, you know, a lot of the crew and the people and I had experienced, you know, loved ones that went, you know, people that we've known that have committed suicide and, um, you know, it, it, all this other stuff sort of ended up being in the story because we made it in such an intimate way. Um, so I think it got more, yeah, like darker than we anticipated when we went out to make it. Um, I think that was the, let's see, is there any other takeaway? And it, it, it's, it's, it's funny, because I guess these things sound contradictory, but they're not. It both got bleaker, and also there was a lot like, I think initially I imagined a little bit more like a genre exercise, like fight scenes, the stuff, you know, like a you know physical demon. Um, but by the time we got to the end and the park bench, um, we were like, wow, this has a lot of heart, like this, this feels hopeful. This feels like, um, you know, we sort of fell in love with the characters and the relationship and the ending. Um, I was, um, I've mentioned this in another interview, but I just read a, oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget the name of it, but there's a, oh, a, a Tolstoy book um, called A Confession, where he talks about his, in his fifties, he was, feeling like he wanted to end his life for about five years, even though he was one of the most famous people in the country and had everything that one could possibly need. And he makes a really good argument for nihilism. He really good argument. Like he's like, and it's about that period of his life and then finding his way back to, in his case, faith, family, and like loving life again. Mm. But what struck me about it was how dark it gets. <laughs> and it feels like you really have to go through it in a way that doesn't feel like a kid's movie so that when you come out the other side, it feels earned and like something that feels like, um, like uh, at the end of Midnight Mass, it's like almost apocalyptic, but there's still hope in there. And I think that's sort of where we ended up with the movie and, and what we love about it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I didn't expect it to go the way it went at the end. Mm -hmm. like that definitely you were just like but with some of those little twists and things like you're just like oh that's so like of course a demon would do that oh yeah shit, that makes so much sense and so you're seeing these things and i think you go to places where i think sometimes people pull back from going all the way there mm -hmm. and so i thought that would and that was good. And also when you're talking about like the trauma and stuff that he'd gone through, it wasn't just, you know what I mean? Because there's certain tropes that people always go to and we yep. don't really get into any of it, but we just know they've been through this stuff, but they've been there together and all of that. And so I think the way it's all unfolding, it there is this honesty about it. 
And so that makes it resonate even more, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. I think it's it was tough. We wanted to make sure we, we wanted to make sure the characters felt real and like you could understand where they've been through. Um, but we real I really wrestled with that, like the exploit. I don't know. The there's so many great movies that tackle stuff like that, going through a fucked up childhood. And I um I kind of wanted to focus on where they're at now. Um, because I think that that stuff is like there's a lot of bad ways to do it badly. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um definitely. yeah, well thanks. That that was the goal. And I'm it it feels great. It's like you you're saying back stuff that I care about the film. So that feels great. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying what I saw, you know what I mean? And and that's the thing. But it's just like kind of wonder, like you're making this thing that's crazy. What happens at the end of the fucking day of each shoot? Like, is it just like Okay, we need to watch something stupid. We need to watch <laughs> and we need some happy music. Yep. Like, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. We um we each had different uh ways of dealing with it. Uh Evan and Libby were living together, almost like brother and sister, and they were both really health conscious. So they would like be really, really healthy and like exercise and like do all this stuff together and take drink like green juice or I don't know what they did but it worked for them I had a god it all sounds so cheesy I had a book on um uh like a book on stoicism and a book on buddhist I almost said buddhist buddhism and buddhism that I read uh in between and um and we would also just try to like talk about the day and like laugh a little bit and and sort of have like a good send-off I think what did I watch I'm sure I watch my dumb YouTube stuff. For me, it's like people building furniture. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're just like, it's like just so relaxing to me. I don't know why. I don't know. Do you have something like that? You know what I mean? Everyone has their YouTube thing they do. Everybody has their thing. Um, uh, so that was mine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, no, interesting. Interesting. And like, when you're trying to set the mood and everything mm -hmm. like that, do you create playlists or is it, do you use other things as reference points or like, yo, read this book or, you know, watch this film, watch this play. Like, mm -hmm. is there that you kind of put together to help people get into certain mindsets? Yeah, I, I forget the list now, but I definitely gave the, the actors a bunch of movies that were inspiring me in terms of look and, you know, and, and like kind of vibe. Mm. Um, but that was mostly for me because I did all the cinematography and art, art direction and stuff like that. Um, and I think that it, for the two, for the two leads, it was a lot of work, you know, just learning about tr like trauma and, and, you know, some of the stuff that these and codependency and all this other, other stuff, just so they didn't, you know, I think uh, when you're playing characters like that, you're like, I got to do this right, man, because like you can't mess around with this stuff. It's really serious and it's people's lives. And it's like people's people that we know of went through this stuff. So you got to do like we really cared about doing it right. Um, playlists. What do we listen to? Um, a little bit. I think mostly I've, I've heard of directors that have like whole mixtapes that they listen to either while they're writing 
And I think that's awesome. I would actually like to do that. I think for me, it's more like stuff I'm reading um, at the time. Uh, uh, yeah. For this one, it was it was Thomas Merton and um, there was a few other things. Uh, but but you you just get inspired by the kind of like literature and stuff. But I think like vibing out to music either before scenes or after scenes uh, would be pretty great. I think we do have a little like the, the there's one scene on a street at the very end. And that one was pretty scary because it's a big scene and also it's like shooting at night and it's like very disruptive. There's like people from Brooklyn wandering around like, you know, yelling at you sometimes. So it's a very emotional scene. <laughs> so for that one, we spent some time. We didn't listen to music, but we kind of like, like sat there and like, I don't know, uh, like got into the place, took, like took a while to kind of get into the zone right, um, right. to kind of ramp up to things. So you're not just like getting on set and like starting like a, like a shot. Um, Cause it's tough to do that as an actor and like making sure to give them the space to do that. But like, yeah, I mean the vibing out part of it, I guess for the fight sound, sometimes we got kind of like, like pumped or whatever, but um, it's mostly like giving the actor space and letting them do what they need to do to get to where they're, you know, where they have to go in a scene. Um, and making sure that if things go badly, you can adapt and like hold, you know, some teams were really upsetting. Like the scene, that 20 minute end scene, we did a few takes of that and then we just took a break before we did it again. Cause we were, you know, cause that hit home for a lot of us. So, uh, it was a little bit different every scene. Um, it's a rambling answer to your question, but uh, I think maybe I just got ex excited about the idea of vibing out before a scene to music. I'll think about that one. <laughs> No, no, it's always intriguing hearing these things, man. Yeah. yeah. So now it's all done, right? You, you're out doing your press and everything like that. Like, are you hearing the reactions that you were hoping for? Like, there's, you know, it must be tough because, like, you know, there's often people that be like, I didn't understand where that was going or, or yep. this, but people, like, get it and, you know. You always seen those videos come up and be like the ending explained of, and you're just like, I thought it was very clear. Why do you? Yeah, that? yeah. <laughs> the end. What yeah. Yeah. I mean, so far it's been really good. Um, I think it helps to have some films that we'd already made because people that know our previous work kind of know what to expect. Um, I think it, you know, it's definitely a slow burn. It's definitely not a conventional horror film. And it definitely leans into the psychological. So our sense so far is the people that know what they're getting into. Um, it's been really great because I think, you know, this is, it's always, people ask me what the hardest part of all this is. And this is like, it's like, is it fundraising? And I'm like, no, it's this part. It's like when it, you're like, you like have, you know, you like have these nightmares or dreams and like, then you work with these people to make it. And then you're like, and you just like put it out there and, uh, you know, people are going to react the way they react. And for some people, they're like, I've had that dream too. Holy shit. You know, and they like say back to you all of the stuff that you feel. And it's amazing. And other people are just like, I, I, don't, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, man. So, um, you know, it's, it's our hope that it finds, you know, we don't want to give anybody a shitty experience. Like, you know, that's not, uh, you know, there's... So, you know, hope the so far the people that um that we've been talking to like 
the best part is when someone feels like they can relate to the experience of the siblings and that it really means something to them. And there was one young woman I was talking to was like, I was that protector for my younger brother. And I know exact like this, and this movie felt like the horror version of what I went through and mm. that stuff like that is like why you make, that's like what it's about for me. So that, that matters a lot to me. And um, yeah, hope it, hope, hope that keeps happening. Awesome. Awesome. And where do you go from here, man? Uh, there's some larger projects um, uh, that are, you know, I sold a TV show uh, a little bit ago and that's been exciting. Um, um, so there's some larger, bigger, bigger films in the works. Um, and then there's also the next film that our group uh, is hoping to do. And it's either going to be where there's two, there's one set in Ireland cause I'm, I have an Irish citizenship and that's where my like family's from uh, like a ghost story there. And then another one about um, uh, two people that stumble upon a cursed play that like asks them to perform it. And it'll like, and then it gets all like, doesn't quite go full Cthulhu, but it has some cosmic horror in there as well. So that one, that one's a little more fun. So we're, we're figuring ourselves out, but it's a, uh, yeah, excited to be making stuff again. I feel like COVID has put us all, it's like been a long winter and, uh, you know, excited to make stuff again. Mm. Mm. Well, man, that it sounds, yeah, super intriguing. And, you know, after this, I'm sure everyone is, you know, on bated breath to see what you do next, man. So, yeah. I um, How can people keep track of you, man? Uh, so I guess the best way we have a uh, Twitter, uh, and I guess that's probably the best way. Otherwise, whenicconsumeyou.com uh, has a lot of the updates. Um, I'm not on any social media, for better or worse. <laughs> um, but we do have a Twitter, and so anything that, that comes out will we'll, uh, we'll be on there. And all the actors, I believe, have handles, and they sort of put out stuff as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, well, superb. Like, all the information is in the, on the website, people. So make sure you go, check it out, follow, go watch the film. Because, boy, boy, this is something. This really is something, right? It, it, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of intimate, like, but it's also this kind of bigger thing. Right, looking at these psychological and just different emotional triggers and what things kind of create these relationships and you know these fights that we do on all these different levels. So yeah, it's man, it is it, gonna have you on the edge of your seat because there's so these twists like you don't see these twists coming. That was the other great thing. I just did not see some of these things coming and that was great so um yeah superb job man superb job awesome man thank you well yeah when you've got the next project ready hey please come by and let's talk about it man awesome would love to thanks so much for having me man hey no problem at all it's been great fun thank you very much perry appreciate it Peace. there you go people now, yeah, you definitely, if you like a psychological different type of horror, 
then when I consume you, it's definitely going to be you. Incredible acting. You know what I mean? It's a different type of film, man. Different type of film. How great is Perry, right? Really, really interesting insights there. Oh, man. I just love these sorts of conversations, right? It's funny because, you know, you start off and it's just like, how, how long is this going to go on for? You're just like, no